0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much he loves us starts right now.
1: Church, let me ask you a question. How many of you know who Joni Erickson Tata is? And You go, well, I think I've heard of her. Well, Joni... Uh, Erickson not Tata, she's married now. Well, she was paralyzed, guys, from the neck down um, while she was a teenager. She was diving off into the water, and she hit the bottom of the pool, and she was paralyzed. Now, I want you to feel the weight of her story, because, because when you think about it, here was a teenage girl with her whole life ahead of her, and what she wanted to do, and what she wanted to accomplish, and one simple mistake, diving off a pool you know, there's tragedy, and now she can't walk. I mean, totally uh, paralyzed from the neck down, right? And when you feel the weight of this, I want you to listen to what she wrote, okay? She wrote this. She says, now, again, she says, quote, you don't have to be alone in your hurt. Comfort is yours. Now, she says this, joy is an option. Joy is an option. And and it's all made, it's all been made possible by your Savior. Here's what she says. Listen, he went without comfort so you might have it. He's he postponed joy so that you would share in it. He willingly chose isolation so that you might never be alone in your hurt and sorrow. Unquote. Do you see? Here's a teenager who jumped in, who life changed at a moment. And then I, I want to put myself in her shoes and I would think, well, w- am I going to be better? Or am I going to be bitter? And a lot of us would walk bitter in the bitterness of life. You know, how could this happen? I had my whole life ahead of me and and you don't understand. I have dreams and I have, I mean, there's ideals, there's things I want to do. This is how I saw my life. And for her, she comes back and she writes something that's so profound. You go, what's that? She said, listen, you are, you don't have to be alone in your hurt. Oftentimes we feel like we gotta be alone. Like, nobody knows what we're going through. And she, she writes this, comfort is yours. Oh, I don't know if I, I don't know what's going on. And she says, joy is an option. Joy is an option. Last night, Talia came home and she was talking to me and she said, Dad, are you sick? And I said, no, I, and she goes, are you sad? And I said, yes. And she says, why are you sad? And I was just playing with her. I wasn't really sad. But, you know, we're asking these questions back and forth. But I started to think about that. Joy is an option, is it not? And we can say, yeah, I'm, I'm sad. I'm just." And she goes, why are you sad? I don't know. I'm just sad. I'm just, I don't know. And uh, I thought what she wrote, joy is an option. Now, Now listen to me, church. Listen. No emotion is more welcomed into the human heart than that of joy, than that of joy. Now, think about it, right? Joy is the realization that deeply held hopes have been been, or shortly will be fulfilled. Think about it. Joy is also drawing on an understanding that those events which have been most feared will not occur. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? When you go to the doctor. Right? You go to the doctor and you're sitting here and you're tripping, right? And the doc comes and he says, no, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. That's joy. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. And you're, and you're, and you're walking out there and you're, are you sure, doc? Doc, are you sure? Are you sure I'm okay? Right? And, and so again, think about it. Joy comes in, in, in different ways. It's, it is the drawing and the understanding of those events that we have most feared will not occur. You see, our text tonight, guys, speaks of joy. The joy that, well, I don't know how to put this, joy that arrives on the horizon in the midst of chaos, right? Joy is the reward for obedience. Now, when it comes to joy, listen what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says to you and me. Jot this down if you're taking note. It's Psalm 30, verse 5. He says, For in his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Okay? Very profound verse. You go, Pastor, read it again. Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning. Let's unpack it like this. Almost certainly David, the writer, said this as a testimony of his own life. Think about it. There were many tearful nights with David, right? Followed by joy. He's like, oh my gosh, in the morning, and he's happy again. If you read the Psalms, there are times when David is just so bummed. You're like, dude, I'm you know what, do you, do, you remember, do you remember that song many years ago, right? So you've had a bad day. Do you remember that? You've had a bad day, so you listen to a sad song just to turn it around. That's David. David's like, are you kidding me? And then in the morning, he's like, praise God, it's all going to be good. It's all going to be good. God has got this. God has got my back. And, and so think about it, right? That's what he's saying. Perhaps with the recognition of the mercies of God to his people, they're, of course, new every morning. And, and so again, think about this. When we approach Zephaniah, here's what I want you to see, okay? David writes, right? Weeping may endure for a night. Everybody got that? But joy comes in the morning. In the context of Zephaniah, we discover the same process. You go, what do you mean? Well, the first book of this book tells us that the word of the Lord, the word of Yahweh came to Zephaniah. And it says he's the son of Cushi, the son of Gedadiah, right? The son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, the king of Judah. So we know that the word of Lord is came to him. Now, here's here's what happens with the book of Zephaniah, right? For the sake of our study, we we're not going through the three chapters, but the book of Zephaniah is quite short, okay? Only three chapters in length, but the prophet portrays a grand sweep of history that begins with the judgment of Judah. You go, what do you mean? Well, he's going to come back and he's going to say, hey, listen, I need to warn you guys. Things are not good. Babylon's going to come and, he's going to, and he's going to, there's going to be judgment. There's going to be judgment. And the prophet Zephaniah is trying to warn the children of Israel that judgment is coming. The great day of the Lord is going to come. He talks about that. The judgment of Israel's enemies, the wickedness of Jerusalem, the punishment and the conversion of the nations. But then something happens at the end of chapter three. He actually changes to a song of joy, right? So we take a step back and we go, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. The psalmist said, right, weeping may endure for a night. You guys know what that is, right? Many of our pillows have had tears that nobody knows about. Weeping may go for a night, but joy comes in the morning. That's exactly what he's going to say. The book of Zephaniah is really, hey, weeping. There's judgment coming. There's judgment coming to the children of Israel. Guess what happens? Led by King Nebuchadnezzar, they come in and they wipe out the children of Judah, right? Judgment comes. And so basically, that's the central theme of the Zephaniah message, right? Judgment was fulfilled. He captured, I mean, Judah. But here's the sub-theme of this book. He he stops and he goes, okay, yes, yes, there's judgment. Let's, we Guys, we need to repent. Yes, there's things in life that are a mess, right? I want you to think about this, right? He says, but joy comes in the morning. Let me let me rewind just a little bit. Think about Joni, right? Think about Joni. Here's this teenager and now her life and her life is is her life is a mess. You see for us because we can still walk and we can still talk and we can do things and we can get up and drive a car, we don't really feel the weight of what she's saying, but she's the same way, you know. She's coming to the point where she says, Yeah, but I can still have joy. And 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 I've got to stop and I've got to ask ourselves in the Bible study, how can you have that, Joni? How can you how can you have joy? Your life is a mess. Ma- your life is a mess. You can't walk, you can't feed yourself, you're in a wheelchair, you've got all of these things, and, and the problem is, is how do you find joy? How do you find joy? Right? Well, the sub theme of the book is the day of the Lord. And what Zephaniah does, he's going to take a step back in time and he's going to look to the time where you and I are living. He's going to say, okay, don't forget the the day of the Lord, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Okay, he hasn't seen it yet. He's just, he's just, he's prophesying. So here's what we need to understand as we tackle this book. We can have joy, guys, we can have joy in the midst of, of a very, very troubled world. Why? Because if we really understand that, our joy comes from the Lord. Our joy is found in the Lord. Okay? Just like in the book of Zephaniah, and we'll get to it, and just like the psalmist read, right? Weeping may come for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Now, let's chat for just a moment before we jump into our text. Because I was thinking about our study and I was, and it was just kind of stewing and I was thinking about it. Okay, okay. So, so this is what Zephaniah is all about. Almost three chapters. He's going to talk about judgment. He's going to talk about things of, of Israel. He's going to talk about being. Now, now think about this. When, when King Nebuchadnezzar comes in, he's going to take those people 900 miles away. They're going to uproot. They're going to leave everything. Now, I want you to feel the weight of this because I want you to feel what would happen today if, if all of a sudden you were uprooted by force and, being, and, and forced to be moved 900 miles away from all of your family and friends. You're going, wow, that's, that's brutal. So again, that's, how can I have joy? How can I have joy? Well you go, Pastor, that's not gonna happen. That was that was Zephaniah, that was you know Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, come on, listen, we live in Lubbock, we're okay, everything's good, right? It's good. I paid my bills this week, I think the lights will stay on i It's good, but 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 listen, listen. I started thinking about our text. And what we've seen in the past few days, guys. Let's be honest, we're seeing a world that we don't recognize anymore. You see, it was five days ago that a 17 year old boy walked into a school in the suburb of Houston, he shot and killed 10 people. And as you and I are sitting on our smartphone or our computer and, and the news alert comes up, and, and, and all we do is cringe, church, all we do is cringe, and we, we just know not again, not again. And I'm thinking, we, this is a world we don't recognize. This is a world we, we, I mean, I mean, think about it. The attack on the Texas high school, guys, was the 16th shooting that resulted in death or injury during the first even five months of the school year or, or, or the calendar year. And I'm sitting going, they're almost out. It's so close. And yet, this is the world we live in. This is the world. How do we find joy in that? How do we find joy when our world seems to be falling apart? If we're really honest, we 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 feel like we're in a pressure cooker. We feel like this thing is about to explode and, and 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 what am I I don't I don't have any power. I don't know what to do. How do I even get up in the morning and sing a song? You know what's going on in the world? Are you serious, pastor? Well, I think about it, guys, think about it. Think about our parks and playgrounds. Right? They're being closed down. And you go, why are they being closed down? Because children are apparently not safe anymore in them. Too many strange people find their way to these
0: places.
1: It was the other day that Santos came to me and he said, Pastor, did you see my office? And I said, no, what happened? Well, here's what happened, long, long story short. The drain up top clogged, forcing a lot of water in Santos, and flooded Santos' office. So I immediately went to the landlord. And as I'm walking up to the landlord to let him know what happened, here's something that caught my eye based on the teaching. I'm walking up to the landlord, say, hey, you know what? Listen, we got a, we got a claim, but here, here's what happened. guys. I'm walking up to the landlord, and there are several pictures in the window of missing kids in our area. Have you seen me? Have you seen me? We can't afford to to blink an eye at sex trafficking. I mean, think about this, guys. Speaking of children, in the year 2016, because I couldn't find 2018, there were over 100 amber alerts in our country. Over 100. You go, what does that mean? That means somebody is running off with children. They had no, re- no, no. They had no authority to take the children. They grab them, put them in the car, and I, and I want you to stop for a moment. You know, usually it's a parent, but on the same token, I want you to think: What does that do to the kid or the children? You go, Pastor, Pastor. Gosh. It was right before service. I was getting ready to come and. One of the MSN news bulletins was was it was very interesting, it kind of broke my heart. You go, what was that? There was a lady who it was a it was a twenty year old who was pregnant, she was four months pregnant and she got into a horrible car crash. And she actually delivered the baby in a coma. She was in a coma, she actually delivered the baby. The doctor said she'd got a two percent chance to live. Right? Two percent the brain is swelling in all nine yards. Well, <laughs> To everyone's amazement, she woke up. she started fluttering her eyes and and she woke up and and you know, and she saw her baby boy you go what what what's so what's so crazy about that Well, it was three years later today where she died so so here's my here's my thought here's my thought okay. She's minding her own business. This is just the world we live in. She's driving home from a concert. She gets in a car crash. She's pregnant. She has the baby. The baby's a premature baby. She lives three years to see this baby on his third birthday, and then she succumbs to the injuries and die. How do we find joy in that? Where's the joy? It's all about perspective, isn't it? You go, Pastor, Wow. You're painting a very dark picture. Why are you painting such a, such, a, such a dark picture in our world? Here's why. Here's what I want you to do. Pay, pay close attention. Let me give you two reasons, okay? It was Pastor Thomas Watson who once said, till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. And you go, what does he mean by that? Now, here's what he means by that. Until we truly understand the problem of sin, we won't savor the solution, Jesus Christ. Okay, till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. You go, Pastor, are you saying that, that all of this has to do with sin? Well, it has to do with sin in the original sense. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, guys, they, they gave over the keys to Satan, and he has been ruling this world with, through, through, with, with evil and destruction up until our time. Now, Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to lay claim to what's rightfully his. But we live in a dark world. And, and, and here's the point. Here's why I want to paint such a, such a dark picture. Listen, we won't be able to find joy in the darkness of our world until we understand that it stems from sin. And then when we understand how ugly and dark sin is, then we and I will see how beautiful Christ is. And when we see how beautiful Jesus is, guys, here's what's going to happen. You're going to fall in love with him. And I don't like to use that term loosely because, oh, because we think of love Hollywood style. We think of love going, oh, we're running to Jesus and we're just, you're going to have that, that again, when I say fall in love with Jesus, I'm not saying that you're making him number one or, or putting him first place. I'm saying you are so in love with him that he encompasses your thoughts through the day. And that that he makes you smile and that you want to be obedient to his word. And that you want to at times cry out to God, God, I love you. You're awesome. You're amazing. Not for what you do for me, but for who you are. And so again, we have to understand, oh, we're living in dark times. But because we're living in dark times, the beauty of who Christ is brings me joy. That's reason number one. Reason number two, in order for news to be good, it has to invade dark spaces, don't you think? Right? We're living in a world of fear, anxiety, stress, uncertainty, right? But it was Paul in the book of Romans that painted a very black picture of mankind. And he said, in order for news to be really good, it has to invade those dark spaces. And that's what it did in our hearts. As believers, guys, It had for us to be a true believer, it had to invade the dark spaces of our hearts so that we could repent and say, God, I love you. And and, and again, that that was the whole point, right? News is just news unless it gets into your fears or your anxieties or your uncertainty. Oh my goodness, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Well, listen, you and I can face each day because of who Christ is. Listen, he's already there tomorrow. I love you guys. I don't mean to step on your toes, but let me say this. We don't live like that. I don't live like that at times and I get so bummed at myself. Why? I know God is taking care of me. I preached on Sunday that nobody's going to snatch me out of his hand and yet I live the same way the world tells me to live in fear and anxiety and uncertainty instead of having joy. The joy of the Lord that comes and be like, okay. Yeah, 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 weeping may endure for a night, but God's coming, God's with me, God's going to do incredible things. I just got to be patient, Lord, I'm so, I'm just like, come on, Lord, come on, come on. So the prophet Zephaniah, what he does is he paints a very dark picture of Israel, and then he closes the book with a glorious description of the future. Now, you go, Ben, how can I apply these verses? Well, we can apply them to our lives, okay? The lives that we're living now and the future we have in Christ. So that's the application. I want you to see this. Oh, yes, yes, I understand contextually. He's talking about Israel. I get it. You know what? I'm not going to make it a pretext, but I am going to pull out application. And here's what I want you to see. I want you to parallel the the the, the last few verses with your life, okay? You go, what do you mean? Well, I'm talking to the Wednesday night crowd. So these are the people that are following Jesus. These are the people who remembered that they were in darkness. And now they got the light of Christ in them. Something's changed. Something's changed. How does it change? How do you go from beating up people, cursing like a sailor? How do you go from drinking and boozing and carousing and womanizing? How do you go from all of that to a follower of Jesus? You can't do it on your own, so you know that there's a God. You know something's different. How do you go from, now let's shoot straight, how do you go from making bad choices and making mistakes to living for God? It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Nobody can make you do that. Of course, yeah, bad choices and consequences can sort of modify your behavior a little bit, but it's not going to transform you from the inside out. So with that, guys, let's jump in our text. If you're taking note, I'm calling this message, you ready? A major message from a minor prophet. But let me give you the subtitle, joy in God's faithfulness. And here's why it's so important, okay? A major message from a minor prophet, joy in whose faithfulness? It has to be God's faithfulness. The Lord tells me at times, and he says in his word, when I'm... When I'm not faithful, he's still faithful. He's still faithful. So, we have the bad news, okay? Israel, King Nebuchadnezzar is going to come in and he's going he's to displace you. Joni, you're never going to walk again. Where's there joy in that? Now we get the good news. Now we get the good news. What's the good news? Here it is. You ready? Zephaniah chapter 3, picking it up in verse 14. The scene changes. Zephaniah writes, Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Now, Zion, Israel, and Jerusalem are synonymous terms, guys. And and he's talking about this. He's saying, but sing. Why? Why should we sing? Are you kidding me? Don't you understand? Lord, we have the first three chapters. How can we sing? It says, the Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy, the King of Israel. The Lord is in the midst. You shall see disaster no more. Do you guys get that? When I read this, my spirit rejoices. Why? Because I've got the morning, right? Weeping, weeping endures for a night. I know the world out there. I have a grandbaby that's going to school. I know all of you. It doesn't matter if you're at school or McDonald's or work. It doesn't matter. There's a very dark picture, but here's the thing. Listen, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Listen, listen, here it is. My spirit rejoices. And again, contextually, I know the prophet is speaking about Israel. But spiritually, let's apply it to our lives. How so? He says, sing, O daughter of Zion, in the light of the glorious promise of restoration. God's going to do something in our heart. Israel should sing and shout with joy. Give, will, save, redeem them. God will save and redeem them from both their enemies and their iniquities. Let me say this again, okay? I want you to write this down. This is going to be something so good. Okay, you ready? What's God going to do? God is going to save them from their enemies and their iniquities, okay? God's going to save them from, whoa, their enemies and their iniquities. That's so important. Why? Because when it comes to our lives, what does God save us from? God saves us from our enemies and oftentimes from ourselves, Right? You go, how so? Okay, check this out. There should be joy in your heart. Now, when I say joy, I want to make a clarification, right? Because sometimes people say they use joy and happiness the same way. It's not the same thing. i got to be honest with you. Three years ago, three years ago this month, my wife had her first chemo infusion, if you want to call it. There wasn't no joy. There was no happiness. Yay, we get to go and I get to watch my wife. I get to watch them put poison in her. There was no happiness. But the joy that came was that God was in this. But, 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 ben, 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 hold them. You didn't know that she was going to be here three, I didn't know she was going to be here three, later, three years later. We, hadn't, we had no, we didn't know. But there had to be joy for the moment. You guys with me? You understand? You have to have that joy, okay? So, again, joy comes from within. Now, now, again, there should be joy in our hearts because God has done something that we couldn't do. You go, what's that? He reconciled us back to him. This is for some listen. I know you guys have been praying. You pray for people that, I mean, you pray for for friends and you pray for loved ones that are not walking with Jesus. Listen, God's going to reconcile back. God's going to reconcile them. Do you believe? I believe I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. He's redeemed us. What's he redeemed us from? Help me, church. Our enemies, right? And from our iniquities. Everybody say iniquities. Let's try this again. Let's say iniquities. Okay, one more time. Okay, you got it. Awesome. Now, let me give you a nugget of truth. Let me give you a nugget of truth concerning sin. Okay? The Bible uses sin three different ways. You guys know this, right? It calls it sin. It calls it transgressions and it calls iniquities. Okay? You go, what are they? We know that sin is harmatia, right? It means missing the mark, right? When an, when an archer's going to shoot an arrow and he says, harmatia means I'm missing, but I'll get out of the way because it's not going to hit the target. That's us when it comes to sin. For all have sinned. We get it, right? Okay, sin. We've all we've sinned. Okay? But then it uses the word transgressions. Some of your um, some of your translations will say, You know, um help me trans I don't have it here no, it's with the t trespasses okay transgressions jot this down a transgression you guys know this is an outward action. It's an outward action. That's what a transgression is. A transgression is, is that you see the line, okay? You look and you go, that's the line. I shouldn't cross this. And what you do is you transgress. You guys with me? None of you have ever done that because you guys are like awesome. But you've never known where sin, the line of sin is and said, huh, this is fun. I think I'll do it, Right? None of us have ever done that. No, that's transgressions. Help me, church. It's an outward action. Okay? You you guys got to get this because this just blew my mind when I saw it. Transgression, outward. The third word is used is iniquities. Guess what iniquities is, right? When it says iniquity, it's actually talking about the inward part of the person. The inward part of the heart. That's where sin starts, in your heart. You go, inward? Yeah. God saved us from the inwardness part of our own hearts. You go, okay, so how? How? Okay, sin, missing the mark. Everybody got that? Transgression, outward action, seeing the line and still crossing it. Iniquity, the inward part of our heart. We have conspired to sin in our heart. I thought this was amazing. Jot this down. You can look at it later. You can look at it now depending on how fast you are. Over in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5, it says this. Here's a negative truth. Surely, speaking of Jesus, right, prophetically, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Okay? Just so you know, in verse 4, that's, he's talking about that's how we can pray for people Physically. Physically okay, he's carried our sorrows, the sorrows implies both here and in Matthew, guys, that he's carried and and he can heal us physically, so when I go to the hospital and somebody needs prayer, I will always pray Isaiah 53, but I want to make sure we understand it's 4, right, chapter or verse 4, okay, why? Because some people will use the other one, and, and and that's talking about spiritual. You go, what is it? Well, it says this. He was esteemed, stricken, and smitten by God, and afflicted. Okay? Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Okay? So, what we do is we say, oh, by his stripes we're healed. That must mean physical healing. No, no, no. Verse 4 is the sorrows. That's how we pray for healing. But verse 5 talks about spiritual healing. How so? Notice what it says again. But he was wounded for what? Our transgressions. What is a transgression? It's outward. Whoa, 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 whoa. wait, 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 Pastor. What are you saying? Outwardly, think about Jesus. What's the first thing we learned about Jesus as he went to the cross? The first thing is they what? Outwardly, they whipped him. They scourged him with a cat of nine tails. Outwardly, he was wounded, right? Bone and metal and glass ripped the flesh and the muscle off our Lord Jesus. 39 lashes till he was just a puddle of blood. That's one. You go, what else? Well, we could say the crown of thorns. The crown of thorns. He was wounded, right? The crown of thorns. That was outward. Last but not least, and like without going into it, we have the very end. What did the soldier do? The final stabbing, right? Outwardly, boom, blood and water flowed. He was wounded for our transgressions. And he was bruised for our iniquities. Where's a bruise? A bruise is always inward, isn't it? Do you see that? A bruise is always inward. Think about this. The Lord Jesus had a bruised heart until it broke. And that's when he died on the cross. You're going, wow, I never saw that in Isaiah. I know. Because the word of God is inspired. It's God breathed, guys. And when he says he was wounded, we see that and he was bruised for our iniquities. We go, iniquity always starts in the heart. And Jesus had to die with a broken heart so that he could heal our broken heart. Man, if that doesn't give you anything to shout about, I don't know what will. Jesus had to die of a bruised and broken heart so that he can heal our bruised and broken heart. You're going, wow. Yeah. Back in Zephaniah, we're still there. Just wanted to take you, give you a nugget of truth. Verse 16. In that day, okay, it shall be said, Jerusalem, do not fear. Zion, do not let your hands be weak. For the Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing what's he saying guys he's saying don't be afraid zion don't be afraid in that day right do not fear zion why guys if you're taking note fear paralyzes people and it makes them weak he's saying don't be afraid but with the lord as their king the people of judah will have nothing to fear do you guys see that that's amazing Why? Because in this world, when we see shootings and we see amber alerts and we see all of this thing happening in our world, the darkness, and people that we love dearly going to be with Jesus, the Lord says in your quietness of your heart, don't fear. Don't fear. Don't fear. Because fear paralyzes you. And it makes you weak. Notice what he says. Don't let your hands be weak. Do you guys see this? Think about this, right? I love this quote. The posture of the hands can symbolize the state of the heart. That's a great quote. The posture of the hands can symbolize the state of our heart. Your hands are going to do what your heart does. Right? Wherever your hands are. You, this, what do you, when, you, when your hands are up like this, what is the state of your heart? I'm worshiping. Right? When your hands are like this, I'm surrendered, whatever it might be. I mean, think about it, guys. Think about what we do with our hands. And he says, Don't let your hands be weak. Hel- hands held in posture of submission, right, symbolizes weakness and discouragement. With the Lord their king, the people of Judah will have no reason to what? To let their hands grow weak. They have no reason. They have no reason. The Jews often used to pray, guys, with their hands up in the air. You can see them. They have their hands up in the air. Do you guys remember our little story about Moses? What was Moses doing, right, while Joshua was fighting the battle? He had his hands, right? And then when they got heavy, what happened? We'd lose the battle. It's it's often a prayer position. Hey, when you put your hands like this, what does that mean? mostly you're praying, right? And your hands are just reflecting what your heart wants to say. God, please, right? Some of us learn to pray like this. Some of us learn to pray like this. Others, we pray like this. I mean, whatever it might be. Think about that. But here's the joy, guys. The Lord, your God, in your midst, the mighty one will save. Now, here's what this passage gives us. It definite steps to consolation, if we understand it, you go, how so? Well, we need to understand, first and foremost, the Lord is in the midst. He's right here with us. He didn't leave us orphans. That's a good place for an amen. The Lord is in the midst with power to save. That's who he's going to save. He's going to save us. God takes joy in you. You know that? You realize that God takes joy in you. Pastor, God would not take joy in me. I have messed up so bad. No, 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 no. no. God takes joy in you. And God gives you rest in his love. And here's what I love about the verse, guys. God sings over you. Over you. Here's what I love about our Lord Jesus. In this day and age, he's not choosing to hold our sins against us, but with with wonderful forgiveness, he he has his arms open wide, and he says, man, I forgive you. I'm singing over you. I love you. Guys, that's the message we need to be preaching to our neighbors. That's the message we need to be preaching to our city, that there's love and forgiveness, that there's hope. There's only one person that brings hope. So here's the question. You ready? How can the Lord love such people? How can the Lord love such people? I mean think about it once again, it's only by the miracle of grace and I want you to think about it in your life because it's the same truth today. The Bible teaches us that God loves all people. And as I deal with, the, with and as I deal with people day after day, I wonder how can God do that? Why would God love these people? Well, now listen, there are a few genuinely lovable people and many who are lovable sometimes, but there are others who are often more toxic than lovable. Would you agree? And then there are some that are (laughs) unbelievably toxic. So the question is, how can God love them? And the answer is found, right? The answer is to be found not in the deserving nature of people, but in the loving nature of God. You go, Pastor, what did you say? Listen, God loves you because of who He is, not because of who you are. That's good news. You go, why? Because if God were to love me because of who I am, I fall so short. But you're the pastor. I know. And if I fall short, y'all fall short. Just saying. No, it's more like Paul. Paul says, you know what? I'm the chiefs of all sinners. Paul, the Apostle Paul says, there's nobody who sins greater than me. And that's the point, right? That's the point God wants us to. He wants us to rest in his love. And you know what the devil wants? The devil wants you to strife and have anxiety and fear. And he wants you to be bummed. And he wants you to walk around with no joy. He wants you to walk around with no joy. Well, let's, let's keep going real quick. In verse 18, I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly. Who... Are among you to whom is the reproach a burden? Behold, at that time I will deal with all who afflict you. I will save the lame and gather those who were driven out. I will appoint them for praise and fame. Every every land where there were put to shame. You go. What does that mean? He says. Here's what he says. Let's break it down. I will remove. That's asap. Okay. That's the that's the Hebrew word asap. It means to gather or take away those who grieve. You go, what's grieving? It's it's that grieving about the appointed time of the feast from you. They are a burden and a reproach to you. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, God's going to take away all of that reproach. God's going to take away those issues. God's going to gather and take away all those who grieve you. And again, this verse is difficult to translate, but it, the sense is clear. The Lord promises to gather up the grieving of his people and do away with it so that they will no longer suffer the damage to the reputation caused by the exile. What it is, it's a promise of of full restoration, full restoration. Now, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that he is our reason for joy. Okay. We have one verse left, but I want you to see that he is the reason, right? Here's what I've done today. I've painted a really, really black picture. I've told you that our world and, and, and I've told you, but I've told you your hope comes only in Jesus. And you go, how so? Well, let's talk about joy for a moment. Okay. Here's what I want you to see. Do you understand that you were created or you weren't created? Let me say it this way. You weren't created simply to endure life, but you were created to enjoy life. not to quote any soap opera, but you only have one life to live. Right? This is it. This is it. Adam, you have one life. And you were created to enjoy life. And you can, you can live life, guys, happy and joyful, no matter what's going on around you. A lot of people, guys, they base their happiness, now listen to me, on outside circumstances. But I'm telling you, there's a better way to live. There's too many people that goes, if this happens and this happens, then I can be happy. If this happens and that happens, then I can be happy. Outside circumstances. My, my, listen, if, if, if this person does this and that person does that, and here's what happens and here's what doesn't happen. Oh, that's what makes me happy. It's a, that's not, listen again, happiness is not based on that. There's a better way to live. And here's what I want to say about joy. Listen, we may not be able to control what happens to us on the outside, right? But we can control what happens to us on the inside. What did Joni say? Joni said that joy is an option. Are you exercising that option? You go, what do you mean? Do you realize that a smile can make or break someone's day? A smile. Let me just just kind of throw this out at you, okay? How are we going to handle life? You see it was the other night right when Lubbock experienced some of the worst maybe not in your area but in my area some of the worst hail that we've ever experienced okay and it was it was it was pretty brutal i mean i mean listen let's lord i love you but lubbock texas it gets angry i mean it doesn't just rain it just rains angry my car Decided to take the brunt of a bunch of hailstones. Right? And you go, well, that's no big deal, Ben. No, no, no. You you don't understand. I've never had a new car. I go out and I lease a new car. 2018. And now look at this. How are we gonna react? How got, how got, listen, listen, I can't control, I can control that, right? I got to be honest with you. There was a time in my life when I would have been like, really, God? I mean, what now? God, I don't have $500 to give to a deductible. God, I just. But I can control what, what's going on in my heart based on what God is doing. See, I can have joy knowing that, okay. So there I was this morning, right? And I show up, and I'm at, the, I'm at the, the body place. I'm sitting down waiting for them to give me an estimate, right? Hoping they would total it so I can get a new car, but they didn't. So but I get to meet a man. And I was thinking about the message, and I was just smiling at him, and we got to talking. Got to talking. He's not a believer like we're believers, but there's a connection now. I was wondering, God, what are you doing? No, no, God didn't send a hailstorm so I could end up at Collision King. You guys know what I'm talking about? But while I'm there, I can represent him in a way with a simple smile. How you doing? How are you? Oh, you got damaged too? Oh, that's a bummer. What do you do for a living? Well, I'm a pastor at Calvary Chapel. Oh, have you grew up in Lubbock? I did. You know that shopping center? Oh, yeah, I know exactly where that is. You should come and see us. We got to talking. You see, guys, this is the hardest thing. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I wish I wish I had mastered it. I haven't. But the hardest thing for me is. The hardest thing for me is to control how I feel on the inside when outside circumstances seem uncontrollable. That's the hardest thing. But see, I have a choice. See, joy is an option. Joy is an option. What do I do? I need to remember who God is. I need to remember who God is. Listen. We can't control what happens on the outside, but we can control. And here's what we must learn. You ready? The importance of praise and being thankful, and how this keeps joy bubbling on the inside. What's the importance? The importance of praise. Praise and thankfulness. <laughs> As a matter of fact, my sister Yvonne just 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 solidified that earlier. With, with that, exactly. We were we were sitting in there and 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 Anna was going, Oh my goodness, I'm so busy. I have this and I have this and I have this. And and yeah, rightfully so, but Yvonne looks at it and goes, But you have a job, right? Amen. Right. That's the attitude. Praise God. Yes. We, we, that's exactly, but, but man, we got to look at the blessings. we got to count our blessings. we got to praise the Lord. That's where joy comes from. Yes, we have a shooting. Yes, we pray for those people. Yes, we pray. Please be praying for Santa Fe High. But what it does is it makes you hug your kid a little bit tighter. And it makes you appreciate the moment you have here. That's what it should do. And we should thank God. And we should tell people about the love of Jesus because you and I we're going to go to bed tonight and and we all do this let's be honest we all wake up and we wonder what happened in our world guys we if we're going to live in victory each day we have to have the right approach to life it's john 16:22 we'll get there In our study in John, but it says, therefore, you now have sorrow. He's telling the disciples, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice. And your joy, no one will take away from you. Do you understand that? Nobody can take away your joy. Nobody can. That's the whole point. The devil wants to rob you of your joy. The devil wants to rob you of your joy. I'm running out of time. Let's finish up, guys. Verse 20. Josh, you can make your way up here because we'll do one, one last worship song. Verse 20 says, At that time, the Lord says, I will bring you back. Amen. Even at that time, I will gather you. For I will give you the fame and praise among all the peoples of the earth. When I return, your captives before your eyes, says the Lord. This verse, guys, amplifies what is said in verse 19. Guys, it makes an explicit that the exiles, remember, they're going to be taken back from Babylon. The exiles can expect to return to their homeland. And that's what I want to leave you with. See, joy comes from this. Listen, you know who the Lord is, but you also know where you're going. Right now, you can say, I'm in exile, man. I'm in Babylon. I'm in Egypt. While you're there, the Lord says, work. Build a house do my work build my kingdom but one day one day very soon here's what we believe at calvary chapel guys that if you've given your heart to jesus christ if you repented from your sins and that and that you're a follower of the lord jesus one day one day very soon you and i are going to be we're going to be going to work We may even do in church. Maybe on an airplane somewhere. We're going to hear, we're going to hear this most beautiful trumpet sound in our hearts. And we're, we're not going to, there's nothing that can, we're just going to look up. Why? Because we know that that's our, that's our Savior. The Bible says that 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 right, he's going to descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archaic, and the trumpet of God we're gonna look up. We're not gonna sit there and go, "Oh, hold on, I gotta get my keys. I get I, I can't." We're gonna look up and, and, and we're gonna be with God. Maybe He's gonna say, "Come on, come on." You go. Well, what's gonna happen? Am my clothes gonna be left behind? I don't know. But I know this, he's going to give us a glorified body and then we'll be with Jesus forever. And here's what I'm looking forward to, right? A lot of us go, I'm looking forward to heaven where there's, no more, where there's no more pain and no more tears and no more anxiety and no more fear and we won't have to worry about school shootings anymore and nobody will steal our children. Yes, amen. But you know what I'm looking forward? I'm looking forward to being with Jesus because heaven is not heaven without him. You go, well, what's my goal here on earth? Your goal here on earth, honestly, is to know Him so well. Is to know Him. Pursue Him. Seek Him. And when the world throws its ugliness at you, no matter what happens, guys, you have the solid foundation of joy where you can smile and you can laugh and you can walk through anything because God's with you. He won't forsake you. He won't leave you. He's got you right here. He's got you right here. That's joy. That's what Zephaniah is preaching. So, Lord, we thank you today for your word. And we just want to worship you tonight, Lord. One last song with all of our hearts, God. Because joy is about worship and praise and thanksgiving. And so, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we do have jobs. We thank you that we have a church. We thank you that we still have the freedom to preach your name. We thank you that you're in control. We thank you, God, that some of us feel like we are buried, but we're not buried. Lord, the water's coming. The sun's coming. And I'm going to be blooming soon. I'm going to be blooming soon, Lord. I can't wait. What do you have for me, Lord? What do you have for me? I'm excited, God. That's where my joy comes from. We ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus.
0: Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227.